Hello, everyone, and welcome to Murder Everywhere, a new true crime podcast. This is the first episode. I am your host, Noelia, and I am just very excited to be getting this project started because it's something I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. New episodes will be out every single Friday, and you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram to stay connected and to suggest any cases you might want to hear. I want to try to involve listeners as much as possible, so all of that is going to be happening through our social medias. It is at Murder Everywhere, but everywhere is spelled just like how it is in our podcast title. So check us out on there. And yeah, we're going to jump straight into today's case. We are going to be talking about the tragic murder of Maria Riddle. Maria was born on March 12, 1950 to parents Michael and Frances Riddle, and they lived in Sycamore, Illinois. Her father was a factory worker and her mom was a homemaker, and Maria was the youngest of four children. She had two sisters and a brother. And on the evening of December 3rd, 1957, when Maria was just seven years old, she had just finished dinner and she wanted to go play outside with her friend, Kathy Sigmund. So Kathy was around her age. She was eight years old and they were just playing outside, doing what seven-year-old girls do. Uh, it was reported that they were playing duck the cars and they were just running back and forth. And according to Kathy, they were approached by a man who Kathy was later able to describe to police as being in his early 20s and very tall with a slender chin. And the man said his name was Johnny. And he told the girls that he was 24 years old and that he wasn't married, which is just kind of a random thing to be telling seven and eight year old girls. But obviously they don't know that this is something weird. Times were very different back then. Um, but he ends up asking them if they like dolls and if they want piggyback rides. And he ends up giving Maria a piggyback ride. And Maria actually went inside her house to show him one of her dolls. And she came back out. And then Kathy went in her house to get her middens, leaving Maria alone with this guy supposedly named Johnny. And when Kathy did come back out, Maria and the man were both just gone. So Kathy went to Maria's house and she told the Riddle family that she couldn't find Maria. And so they initially thought Maria might be hiding and they sent Maria's 11-year-old brother to go look for her. But he wasn't able to find her and eventually they called the police. And within an hour, police and just neighbors everywhere around the town were looking, trying to find Maria, but they couldn't find Maria or this mysterious man named Johnny. Eventually, the FBI actually did get involved, and their, the search efforts to find her, they went to great lengths, and they didn't end up finding her until five months after she disappeared. And that was on April 26, 1958, 100 miles away from her home in Sycamore, Illinois, um, that two tourists were hunting for mushrooms and actually found her body along Route 20. And so when... The coroner and authorities came in. They found the skeletal remains of a small child, and she was wearing only a shirt, an undershirt, and socks. And the body had obviously decomposed a lot because it had been outside exposed to the elements for five months. But Maria was able to be identified based on dental records, a lock of hair, and also the fact that the shirt and socks that she was wearing were the ones she was wearing when she disappeared. But the other clothing that Maria was wearing when she disappeared, including her coat, her pants, her shoes, and her undergarments were not found. And the coroner actually didn't allow anyone to take photos of the crime scene just because he didn't want photos of this child's body being leaked onto the newspapers. And since the crime had occurred within Illinois, 
The FBI withdrew from the case and they just left it to state and local police to handle from there once they found her body. And like I said, since the body was so decomposed, they actually were not able to determine a cause of death when they did the autopsy. But 50 years later, which we'll get into more details on what happened during this time in 2011 when they exhumed her body, they actually were able to find cause of death and they determined that she had been stabbed several times in the throat. Um, But we're going to stick to 1958 now. Well, actually, let's go back to 1957. So right when Maria disappeared, 11 days after, one of their suspects, which it wasn't their prime suspect and there wasn't enough evidence to arrest him. So that's why he was able to get away with doing this. Um, His name was John Tessier. And he was one of the suspects because girls had actually been reporting that he had been sexually abusing them. And so he was brought in. But again, there wasn't enough evidence that he was let go. But John Tessier, okay, he changes his name to Jack McCullough 11 days after she goes missing. And he also signs up for the army and leaves to boot camp. And reportedly, it's because he was getting so much hate for being a suspect in this case that that's why he did all this. And obviously, since there was nothing to arrest him for, he just went on living his life. And then in 1994, his mother, Eileen Tessier, was on her deathbed. And she was with his sister, Janet, and she made a confession. So she told Janet that those two little girls and the one that disappeared, John did it. John did it and you have to tell someone. And Janet understood the statement well enough to know that she was talking about her brother, John Tessier, who now went by Jack McCullough. And her mother was literally telling her that Jack McCullough killed this girl. And eventually, when McCullough's mother did pass away, he wasn't invited to the funeral. But Janet didn't do anything with this information until 2008. That is when she went to authorities and the case was reopened. And this is what led to her body being exhumed in 2011. They were really just hoping to find some DNA evidence that they could use to connect McCullough to this case. Um, And unfortunately, they weren't able to find any additional evidence. However, they were able to find her cause of death. Like I had said earlier, they couldn't the first time around, but they were able to this time. And so although they didn't find any new DNA evidence, they still brought the case to trial and McCullough was actually convicted. So he was found guilty at 73 years old in 2012 of kidnapping and killing Maria. And besides the identification from Kathy Sigmund, the neighbor that she was playing with, um, it also hinged a lot largely on the fact that McCullough described and could remember Maria very clearly. And so the prosecutors used this and turned it into like, oh, he has these really clear memories of this girl because he was obsessed with her and that gave him a motive to commit this crime. And there was also a woman that spoke out against him, claiming that he raped her when she was only 14, which I don't doubt that that's true, as he had a lot of allegations when this disappearance first happened of girls saying that he had sexually abused them. Um, And then there was also like a train ticket alibi thing that basically just questioned the validity of his alibi. And so all of this was enough to get the jury to believe the prosecution. And McCullough was sentenced to life in prison. But the roller coaster that is this case 
of course, it doesn't end there. Like, we thought this cold case was solved. And unfortunately, four years later, some phone records actually exonerated McCullough. And I mean, I don't want to say unfortunately if this guy didn't really do it. I don't know. Um, Obviously, if he didn't do it, would hate for him to be in jail. But it sounds like this guy was a creep anyways. So maybe he should be in jail. Anyways, okay. So... In April of 2017, he was officially declared not innocent and he was released. And that is how the oldest cold case that was solved went right back to being unsolved again. And that is going to conclude the first episode of Murder Everywhere. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that you enjoyed learning about this case and that it's the first time you hear about it. I wanted to pick a case that hadn't already been done a bunch of times. So yeah, new episodes will be coming out every single Friday. You can stay connected with us on our socials. And if you want, send me some feedback on there. I would love to know if you prefer a shorter or longer podcast. I'm still kind of figuring out exactly how I'm going to be doing these episodes. So I would love your input. And yeah, I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.